There's no doubt about it in my mind on that. Because I, I know what God is speaking in my spirit. And, uh, and I want to be totally consumed and led of God. Amen. I'm not here to be seen and heard of men. I'm not here to put on a theatrical act. You know, I am who I am. I think everybody here pretty much knows me. A few of you may not know me, but that's all right. God is still God. Amen. So let me start by saying that I haven't talked to anyone in this church because the reason I'm saying this is because of, of the nature of the message that's getting ready to come forward. This is something that God dropped into my spirit. I haven't been talking to anybody in the church. Uh, you know, very rarely you guys know me because you know if I call you and I talk to you or not. Amen. So no reflection there. Uh, and I haven't listened to any of the juicy gossip going on, so you know I, I'm out of that that uh, side of it too. So, and I want to make this perfectly clear today, because this is how I feel that I need to address this. And I prayed about it, and meditated upon the Lord how to how to approach this and how to put it out, because I've been praying and seeking God's face, you know, and I told the Lord. Uh, I uh, had no idea that I was going to be preaching here today, but God knew. And uh, But I already pre-told the Lord, you know, whatever you want me to do, that I will do. Whatever message you give me, God, I will, I will, I will deliver it to the people. Amen? You know, I, I, I'm not a respecter person. Everybody knows me and knows this. And I did not come here today to point fingers and judge anybody. Amen? So don't, don't let the devil whisper this in your ear. Amen. I'm not here to judge anybody, and I'm most certainly not pointing fingers at anybody if you have sin in your life. Amen. That's not the nature of this message. The nature of this message is that we all need Jesus and that uh, we need to be ready and we need to be right. Amen. So, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I don't, you don't hear a lot of messages on, anymore about sin uh, about uh, wickedness, uh, perversion that's going on in the land, uh, even the coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very few preachers preach that today. Amen. Matter of fact, it seems like we've got so far away from that, we don't even recognize it when we hear it anymore. Amen. But, I, uh, you know, I'm not one of those people because, you know, I have a prayer life. Very important you have a prayer life, and we're going to discuss some of this stuff as we get down into this. Uh, not just a prayer life, but you need to get along with God and get in your prayer closet and, and pray in the Spirit. Amen? Because you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want to say that first and foremost. It takes the Holy Ghost to get a hold of God and to pray about all, everything that's going on. Amen? We need God. But down praying in the Spirit, as I was praying in the Spirit, several times, audibly, the Lord spoke to me and said, Tell my people that I'm coming. <laughs> Three times. In the course of this praying in the Spirit, he interrupted me and said, Tell my people I'm coming. Whew. 
I come here today to tell the church of the living God that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is getting ready to make his triumphant return to this earth. Amen. This is the next great event that's going to take place on a world stage. Amen. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish people looked for the Messiah, their Messiah, their, their Redeemer to come. And when he came on the scene, they didn't recognize him. So it begs the question today when we stand in the pulpits of America and we preach the gospel that Jesus Christ is coming, be ready. Amen? Will we recognize him when he comes? Will we see him when he appears? Will we hear the, the trumpet when it sounds? Or have we been lulled to sleep by the demonic influence and deities of this age? Amen. Do we have eyes to see and do we have ears to hear what thus saith the Lord? Because see, God's not changed, church. Generations in time has changed. God remains the same. Matter of fact, he said it this way, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I change not. That's what he said. So the problem's not lying with God. This stuff that's going on in the world is, is a result of because of a, a lukewarm church that sat idly by and let the devil take everything from the church. Amen? I could care less about their tax-exempt numbers. God's going to raise me up and he's going to take care of me regardless. Amen? I don't need the government involved in what God's telling me to do. Amen. So you can keep your separation of church and state. Amen. God don't need some lukewarm hypocrite in a position somewhere trying to tell his ministers how they need to preach his gospel. Amen. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Now, but I do want to dive into the heart of this message. And I believe if you will take it to heart, this message will change your life. And I titled this message, The Message for the Church in 2024. <clears throat> As I said, I'm not here to judge anybody or point fingers. But the Spirit is wanting us to do a self-examination. If you go to the doctor's office for your routine checkup, what do they do? They do an examination on you to see if they can find anything wrong with you. They check their heart, they check your lungs, they check your blood pressure, they check your oxygen, they send you to, for blood work, uh, they check your blood, they want to see if anything's wrong with you. Amen? Now, I really feel this in the spirit that the Lord is wanting us to do a self-examination. He didn't ask Boyce to come here and to examine Rob. He didn't ask Boyce to come here and examine Spencer or anybody else. He came here for, for Boyce to put you in remembrance that each one individually 
examine your own self. Matter of fact, the Word of God puts it this way. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians was talking, it says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Amen? Self-examination time, church. There's a reason why God is wanting this. We need to each individually examine ourselves to see where we be at in the faith. Amen? Because a lot of this stuff that's going on in this modern day church world, as we call it, is not of God. I'm sorry. You know, when you start ordaining homosexualities to get into the pulpit, you missed it somewhere. Amen? When you're okay with marrying the same sex, you missed it somewhere. Amen? God is not in that. You're at a direct violation and contradictory to his word that he spoke. Amen? And we, we don't have enough common sense to figure that one out. Come on, man. Even nature will teach you that. Now, there's some despicable and disgusting stuff that's going on in the land. Perversion on all sides. Child molestation. Uh, legalizing prostitution. You know, all this filth and stuff that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah, God brought down hellfire and brimstone upon. He destroyed the city because of it. And we think that he's just going to let the United States of America slide. It ain't going to happen. No, but why, why is all this stuff running rapid? It's because we've got eased in Zion. Because, see, when you remove God out of the equation, God's not going to force you or a people or a nation to serve him. He would be a dictator if he did. He is not a dictator, but he gave man a free will. You have to choose individually whether you want to serve him and line up with his word or not. Amen? So God, therefore, God is not going to force this upon you. But when you move God out of the equation, there leaves a vacuum, an empty space. And I sent some of you a link here, a Messianic Jew by the name of Jonathan Kahn. He preached a message, and he's got several books out talking about it. I haven't had the opportunity. I have the books, but I haven't got a chance to get in to read them yet. But that's another story. But anyway, <clears throat> he took his text from where Jesus said, when, when the Spirit goes out of a man, that he goes through dry places, seeking where he could find refuge. And I'm paraphrasing that I'm not quite quoting it. But he's seeking for a place that he may take up and dwell again. And it says that when he finds none, he comes back to the house from which he came out. And he finds it swept and garnished. <laughs> and then he takes up root in it again. And the latter, and brings seven more, more wicked than him. That the latter end of this individual is worse than it at his beginning. So when you, when you come to, to God and you surrender your life, 
he comes in there because he, he doesn't lie. If you ask him, he comes. But how you live your life depends upon whether he stays there or not. Hmm. Let me say that again. How you, how you live your life determines whether he stays in the house or not. Because, see, the text said that the house had been swept and garnished, meaning it's not been occupied by anybody. So when you have that vacuum and that void and those devils come back, because, see, in 1962, they took prayer out of school. One atheist woman by the name of Madame O'Hara had prayer took out of school. Where was the church? We just come off a healing revival movement in the 50s. Where was the church? And we've, we've come all the way down through this generation to where we're at today. We can't determine if you're a boy or you're a girl. I mean, when I was growing up, that was simple, simple stuff. Now we got to have the correct pronouns. People want to dress up as a cat, and they want to be called a, whatever they call them. I don't know what they call them. But if you don't identify that they are a, a Persian cat, you've offended them. How stupid do we have to be? I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. It really is. It's no laughing, laughing. But the problem is that we've got demonic deities that's come here and they've gripped the hearts of the people. And, and their, their mind is in such turmoil that they don't, they don't know. See, it's a pagan, it was a paganistic ritual that under these, these uh, false gods that they would manipulate and cut their bodies to, to make themselves look like women. Today we call it sex changes. Amen. Take hormone pills. Amen. Being driven by demonic forces. Can I submit to you that it's time that the bride of Christ get in her rightful position and take a stand against the demonic forces. Amen. <laughs> No, it, it don't take everybody, but it takes somebody. Amen? So, <clears throat> Jesus said to tell my people, I'm coming. And I can't explain this other than just to, to put it this way. There is an urgency. An urgency. I sense an urgency in my spirit, man. <laughs> to warn the people that he's coming. That we as a body of believers have got to be right and we've got to be ready at his coming. And I want, to, want you to think about the alternative of this. If you are not right and you're not ready when that trumpet sounds, 
because there's not a one of us knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is coming. Nobody knows. But it is at the appointed time that the Father says to the Son, Go. Then it takes place. Think about the alternative to that. If you don't hear the trumpet sound, if you don't make what we call the rapture, and then, and then you're left behind to go through all of the demonic, satanic oppression and stuff that's going to come on the land after the, the bride is raptured out. But see, you think it's bad now, but you're living in a world where the Holy Spirit is com still convicting people of sin and holding at bay the powers of hell. Shekapaha. And if there is no restrainer of sin, there's only chaos on a grand scale. All out lawlessness. People driven by demonic spirits that will totally annihilate the human race. See, it happened before in Noah's day that fallen angels came down and got with the daughters of men and created a race of people so demonic and devilish that God himself had to intervene and say, hey, enough's enough. Enough's enough. We're putting a stop to this. And wiped out all humanity except for eight people, Noah and his sons and their wives. All creation was in the tailspin of it. Everything was affected by this event. Just like it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man when that day takes place. Then only chaos remains. Then only judgment will remain. And we think it's bad now. But when the mark of the beast is set up and the false prophet comes into power, you know, and they're calling down signs and wonders for heaven, then you don't know if it's real or not. Because you have not the Spirit of God to correct your theology. Amen? This is, this is something, this is not a joke. It's not a fairy tale. This is, this is the real deal. This is an event that is going to take place. Not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. And if we, the, the bride of Christ, are not ready, you are not going. I don't care. How long grandma and grandpa went to church and you went with them? I don't care how much mommy and daddy went to church and you went with them. Because see, mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa is not going to stand before God in judgment on that day for you. See, in the end, we all get judged. Sinner and saint alike. That's Bible. White throne judgment for the sinners, the bema, what we term the bema for the believers, where your work as a believer is tried by fire. 
Amen. Boy Smith will give an account on that day for the message that he's standing here before you preaching this morning. Amen. That's the reason I'm very cautious of what I say, especially when I step in this position. Amen. This is still holy ground. I'm still going to be held accountable by my words. When he says, tell my people I'm coming, I can say, I told them. I told them, Father. Now it's up to you to listen, to apply it to your hearts. Amen. Upon thinking about this, <clears throat> praying about it, I'm reminded of the scripture of the parable of, of the ten virgins. According to the Gospel of Matthew, it goes like this. So, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, five were foolish, and they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil in, in, with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumber and slept. See, there's no shame in falling asleep. You get tired, you get wore out from the heat of the battle, and you take a nap. There's no shame in that. He's not condemning that. We all get tired and wore out and need to take a nap from time to time. Amen? <coughs> so that's not what he's condemning. <clears throat> but while the bridegroom tarried and they all slumbered and slept and at midnight there was a cry made behold and, and that all that slumbered and slept and at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, and saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went out with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen? You may be seated. So, He's laying out a warning to you. David the psalmist talks about the lamp. He said, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Thy word. You need the word. But that all of them had the lamp. So all of them had the light of God's word. Amen. That wasn't what he condemned them about. What the problem lied was is they didn't have the oil in their lamps. 
That's where the problem's at. Now, I want to read you something here from uh, <clears throat> See, oil in the Scripture is a metaphor of the Holy Spirit who brings us revelation of the Word of God and power for ministry. The oil that's needed for the lamp is the Holy Spirit. How many of you, have you ever read the Word of God and you've read the Word of God and you've read something over and over and over and then all of a sudden you're reading it one day and the light comes on? Amen? And the Holy Spirit illuminates that Scripture to you and you know what that, spirit, that, what that Scripture is saying. Amen? I've had it happen to me countless of times. Amen? See, that's the, that's the oil in your lamp. The Holy Spirit illuminating God's Word. So that you know what it's saying. Mm. We need the Holy Ghost. And the next part I want to address is that where it's talking about the, 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 the call went out. And we all know what this is talking about, right? Because if you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about being called up. It's talking about the rapture. That's what it said, those, the, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Amen? That's what the Word said. So in that, in that particular verse there, if you go back to original Greek, it says this, this is not simply to meet Him. For it is a rare Greek noun that means to have a meeting or an encounter. So what's that mean, boys? That means if you're not looking, how can, you, how can you see somebody coming when you're not looking for him? How can you hear the trumpet sound if you have no ears to hear? How can you feel the leading and the prompting of the Holy Ghost if you, don't ha if you haven't received him? You can't. That's the reason right now there is an urgency in the Spirit. And he's saying, wake my people up wake them up get them up out of the sleeping slumber so they can get right so they can be ready my coming is soon wake them up see there was an event took place in 2001 when we had enemies from another country flew airplanes into the twin towers A harbinger was sent to warn the United States of America that you're not as safe as you think you are in your homeland. They flew airplanes into the Twin Towers. They flew airplanes into the Pentagon. The high and mighty army that the United States of America trusts in. That we're supreme above all else. When a handful of demonic people can take over airplanes and use them as weapons and destroy thousands of lives in an instant. For a season, I'll put it that way, for a season we pretended to hold hands and pray 
to the God of this nation for a season. It was short-lived. And soon we forgot all about it. What a tragedy that day was. But see, there's a tragedy that's getting ready to take place that we're talking about, this rapture, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to affect all humanity. And nobody's awake. Nobody's prepared. He's coming as a thief in the night. Another scripture says, if you know the hour that this thief was coming in to break into your house and steal your goods, would you not set up and wait for him? Amen? Would you not set up and wait for him? Speaks volumes. We need to be watchful. We need to be diligent. Even in this hour that we're living in. Amen? So we need an encounter. See, it's not enough to hear about God. It's not enough just to come to occasional church service. Well, I came Easter. Well, I went and watched this Christmas play at Christmas time. Is that not enough? So you see, there's a lot more to this than what appears to be. Satan don't want you getting a hold of the real stuff. He knows if you ever get, get awakened and you, and you get tuned into the real deal, that you'll be an un, uh, unstoppable force to annihilate his kingdom. Amen? When you get, let me put it this way, when you get Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, you are a danger to the powers of hell. Amen? Now, many of you guys was here at the New Year's Eve service where I received the word. I had no idea I was going to say this word. It came to me while I was up testifying or preaching at this New Year's service. And the word that came into my spirit that I received was 2024, the year of more. Now, I've really prayed about what, what what I said, what came out of my mouth. 2024 is a year of more. Not fully understanding what the Lord was putting into my spirit at that point in time. But now I, I, he's beginning to show me things of what he was talking about. And as I, as I prayed and I meditated and fasted, that's not a curse word. Amen. You still need to pray, you still need to meditate, and you still need to fast. Amen. That's not a curse word. Amen. And what he said, and I just kept feeling that God is trying to show me that there is something more profound than what I'm seeing. And as I began to meditate and pray and inquire of the Lord, more of what? That's my question. 2024 is a year of more. More of what? 
I wrote some things down. More of what we had in 2023, I pray not. Because, huh. you know, I don't know about you, but I feared some hell in 2023. I don't stand up here and talk about it, and I don't give no place to the devil. But I've, I've had my share of trials and tribulations just like everybody else. I am a human being. And whether people, believe it or not, ministers are not exempt to the battle. Amen? Matter of fact, they get hit first and foremost before the church. Amen? You talk to the pastor, get along with him one-on-one, talk to him personally. He'll tell you these things he goes through, things he fights. You know? And I can't speak for everyone, but it's 24-7 for me. I don't get a timeout. I don't get a coffee break. I don't get a lunch break. It's you know, and I don't get no vacation time. I'm engaged in a warfare, a battle. 24 7, 365 days a year. I don't have you know, I don't I don't have the luxury of taking it easy. Because if I let up, I let the devil in. God expects me as a minister and as a man and as a child of God to engage the enemy. Not to turn my back on him and run away from him. I am very real with God. I don't sugarcoat nothing even for myself. Because I know in whom I serve. As I, he, you know, you think God won't call you on the carpet for some of your stuff? You get along with him. I promise you, he'll call you on the carpet on it. You need to get this stuff right, son. Yes, sir. It ain't like getting in trouble with your biological parents. You've never had a whoop until God whoops you. I can testify to that. Scripture says I learned obedience through the things I've suffered. I mean, I've, I've suffered a lot, so therefore I've learned how to be obedient. Amen. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. That's stopping. Amen. David, the psalmist in uh, Psalms 119, verse 65 says, uh, "Before I went, uh, went astray, I was afflicted." All the while, see, God's trying to get it to your attention. Everything that comes to you and happens to you is not the devil. Sometimes God's trying to get your attention, trying to wake you up. Amen? So, more of what we had in 2023, I pray not. More of what we've had in years gone by, God forbid. More of the devil holding our family hostage. Is that what we want more of in 2024? More of the devil tormenting the life out of us. To where you can't focus and you can't think. You can't function in the real world. Is that what we want more of in 2024? What about this? More sickness and diseases wreaking havoc on our bodies. 
We want more of that in 2024? Because I've had my share of it, I'll tell you. I don't talk about it, but I've had my share of it. Now, some of you that know me personally, you know a little bit about it. But is that what we want more of in 2024? More sickness, more diseases wreaking havoc on our bodies? More of being broke as a joke, robbing Peter to pay Paul? More of what then? What do we want more of in 2024? What about this? More is church as usual as we've come to know it. Well, I came to church today, Brother Boyce, and, you know, they sang a few songs that I liked. Some of them I didn't care for, you know. But I, you, you're blessed because I made it into the building, uh, you know. And as bad as I hate to, and I'm going to pay my tithes because I know the pastor's been preaching about it. And, uh, you know, I know if I'm going to be on this pulpit that he's going to look and see if I've been paying my tithes. Uh, so I better put something in the offering. Huh. You know, and I, th I thought the pastor, he had a pretty little sermon he preached. You know, he, he, he brought out some good points. Uh, well, what did he preach? Uh, I forgot. But he had some good points. Well, what was the point? Uh, I forgot. I can't remember. How much of it did you receive? I'm talking about this is the modern day church. We do things. Don't sit and say we don't because I know we do. We all do it, and it's in every church. We come to church to show up so we can feel good about ourselves. All the while, we parade our sin around the house in the house of God. And we think nobody's watching. We think nobody's seen it. God didn't miss a beat. Amen? So, does that what we want more of in 2024? You know, and, and I, I'm just being honest, I'm just being real here. Because, and I really thought about this a lot. Off of what we're talking about here, is this the church that Jesus Christ is coming back for? I think not. You know, and uh, you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it until the rapture takes place, because I've, I've got my ticket bought and paid for in full, I'm first loader, baby. When that trumpet sounds, hey, you can try to hang on to my feet if you want to, but hey, but our voice is gone. Amen? I'm out of here. So, is this what we're talking about? Ordaining homosexuals in the pulpit, marrying uh, same-sex marriage, uh, robbing God, Letting the devil control our churches and our pulpits. 
going to the internet and getting her sermons and her messages that we're going to preach a pretty little message and tickle the ears of the people. This stuff ain't cutting it, church. And it is an indictment to the body of Christ. And I'm going to put myself right in the boat because I'm going to preach the boys first because I am the first one that's got to line up with this word. It's been years since I led somebody to the Lord in the sinner's prayer. Now, I've led a lot of people to the Lord, but it's been a while since I led them to the Lord. I've laid my hands on a lot of people for them to be healed and delivered and set free. And in the past, I've seen them healed and set free and delivered. I'm talking about people with terminal cancer and things of this nature. And I haven't seen anybody healed in a long time, including myself. Been an honest preacher. So, and I haven't seen the devil cast it out in a while. See, it used to be that when there was a Holy Ghost meeting taking place and somebody demon-possessed come in, that, that they would manifest and get cast out. Because, see, in the New Testament, I, I believe it says, uh, you know, that they received power. They had a power and authority. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that gave them the power and the authority to preach the gospel to lay hands on the sick and then be received their healing. That they casted out devils. But now, today's modern church, we want to lay them on a couch and try to counsel them. It would be funny, but if it wasn't so pathetic. I heard a story, you know, and I've had this you know, and believe you me, I've had my part of casting out devils. But I heard I heard a guy tell this story. He was getting on an airplane. He was a well he's a well known minister, and I, if I told you his name, everybody here would probably know him. But that's irrelevant. But he said I got on the plane, and he said I was going back to get my my son's seat, and he said I walked by this individual, and they looked up at me. When they looked up at me, he growled. He said, he said ooh. He said, so I made myself on over to my seat. He said, I got over and I sat down. And he said, the Lord was on the plane with me. He said, did you hear that? He said, hear what? Did you hear that devil raise his growl at you? He said, I did. He said, what are you going to do about it? He said, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to sit right here in this seat. He said, and he started pleading his case with God. He said, God, if I get up, he said, they're going to call security. They're going to help me and put me in a straitjacket and take me to a sane asylum. And he said, I'll pray here. The Lord said, you, by the power of your words, you can pray and, and, and set them free. He said, I began to pray. He said, I started praying under my breath. He said, I started praying in the spirit, you know, saying all the stuff, you know, praying in the spirit. And he said, you hear that devil start convulsing up there. Said, and they fell out. I said, somebody said, this person's going to convulsion. He said, I got to my feet. And he said, they got a devil. 
He said the whole plane, he said, but this time they're in the air. Nobody can get off the plane, you know. He said, uh, so he said, I started, he said, I started, he said, I, they got, he's got a devil. And he said, you know, he said, everybody got, his hush everywhere. He said, he, he's got a devil. He said, I started praying, standing up, and praying and rebuking that devil, casting that devil out. And said it, it left, and he said, what I should have done, I should have took up offering. He said, I'd got back ties and everything. You know, he said, what I should have done. But he said that the steward has come back there to him and said the pilot wants to talk to him. He said, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. He said uh, he went up there and talked to the pilot in the, in the captain's uh, cabin there, and he said, uh, said the, the pilot asked him, he said, they said you casted the devil out back there. He said, well, I didn't, God did. You know, he's taking the blame off of him, putting it on God. Well, I didn't. God did. He said, and they told me you spoke in tongues. He said, well, that was the Holy Ghost. He said, man. He said, I, I, I wish that. He said, I'm a, he said, I'm a Pentecostal believer. He said, I speak in tongues, and I believe in casting. He said, I wish that I knowed it. He said, I would have came and helped you. He said, is there any more out there? He said, no, I think we're good. My point being made with that is, will you be ready to cast out the devil if need be? Amen? If there's nobody there but just you, will you be ready? Because, see, we need people to get their rightful position in God where they have the power and the authority to minister, lead people to Christ, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, so we can get everybody in here, as many as we can, and usher them in at the coming of the Lord. Amen? That's what God wants in 2024. Not what we've, what's been going on in the churches. Amen? So, and as I said, you know, God is not coming back for less than what he left. So if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appearance unto them of cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the set, that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. They boldly begin to decree the word of God. That's how the church started. This watered down thing you see today is not what he started. So, if you skip on down to verse 36. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation, that when that they that gladly receive his words were baptized, and the same day there was added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continually steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayer, uh, and the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs was done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things coming and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They continually, daily, in, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and single, singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. That's how the church started. See, there's a problem that we have. We've got to get in one mind and one accord. We've got to get in unity. First of all, we need to repent of our sins. Amen? We need to repent of our sins and get right with God. Because this stuff we've been doing has not been working. It's not advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? So if, and here's my question, if what we've been doing in the past has not worked, why continue to do it? See, Albert Einstein come up with, with, with a, a, a theological, well, not a theological, but he gave a definition of insanity. Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds known to mankind, I think, uh, you know, he come up with the definition of insanity. What was that, boys? That you do the same thing repetitiously, over and 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 you expect a different result. So my question is, that's the definition of insanity. Having said that, what you've been doing, I'm not looking at anybody and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Examine yourselves. Because I've got to shine the light of God's word on this man. So, what I've been doing in the past, has it worked or not? Because if it's not worked, then we got a problem. If it's been working, we're good. We're in line. Because if it's not working, then something's got to change because you're not going to do the same thing over and over and over in 2024 as you did in 2023 and get a different result. Amen? Everybody agree with that? So some things has got to change. Is that right? So we've already established the fact 
that God's word is true and his pure and his holy and that the Lord our God has not changed and will not change for he said I am the same yesterday, today and forevermore. So therefore the problem is not with God. The problem is not with God's word. It's been tried and tested. So the person that's the problem is when we get up in the morning and we look in the mirror, there he is. That's the end in there lies the problem. That's the guy we need to talk about today. So if what we've been doing in the past does not work, we can't expect a different out uh, a different uh, anything different in the future. Amen. So, I ask myself a few questions, and I ask you the same questions, and you you can you can put your own answer on it. Okay. For me, I ask myself, what I've been doing has what I've been doing worked out for me so far. No. I am not satisfied with where I'm at and what I have. I know there's more. I have experienced more. Me personally. I can't speak for anybody else but me. So, if my answer is no, then i got to be real with myself. If my answer is no, then we know that... that there's got to be a change. Amen? So, the second question I ask myself, and I'm being totally transparent and totally honest before God, because you're not going to hide anything from God anyway. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, God sees the real you. Amen? So I ask myself this question. Is the life that I've been living worth Jesus dying for. Because see, when you got born again, the old life you had should have been dead and buried. This new creature in Christ Jesus should have emerged and came forth. So, is the life I'm living is it the life worth Jesus dying and giving his life for? And if your answer is no, then we know things has got to change. Because we should be living a life that brings praise, glory, and honor to his holy name and his holy kingdom. So, based off my answers for those two questions, and be honest with ourselves, everybody shine a light on yourself, based off your answers on those two questions, if Jesus came back tonight, would I be able to go out and meet him as the parable of the ten virgins said in the rapture? Be honest with yourselves. And if your answer is no, then you know we've got to change today. 
because you're not promised a tomorrow. Not a one of us. So based off your answer, and if it's no, then you know there's got to be a change. So if we want more, and we're getting fixing to get into the heart of this, if we want more in 2024 than what we had in 2023 and in, in the past, we can't keep repeating what we've been doing. A change has to start today. Everything that you have a need of has already been bought and paid for in full by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? It's there for your taking. It's yours. It belongs to you, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Everything that you have a need of in this life, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, your Father knows what you have need of. You go and read the, the Beatitudes of Jesus and you will find out everything you have a need of, your Father has it there for you. So it starts with getting introduced to the Son of the Living God, the Bridegroom. Getting to know Him personally, and intimately in 2024. See, he don't play second fiddle to nobody nor anything. And when you put things before him, he says, I am a jealous God, a consuming fire. Amen? So the first thing we need to do is we need to repent. Amen? We need to get back in right standing with our Creator. Amen? And an absolute must for a, a believer and the bride of Christ in 2024 is you need a prayer life. That's not a cuss word. That's a reality. You need a prayer life. Not going in to give him a list of everything you want and you think you need and all your demands and things you want to try to put on God trying to receive something from him. No. Jesus gave you a model prayer because they wanted to know how to pray. And he said pray in this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And to thine be the kingdom, the power, and the authority. Amen. He taught us how to pray. Not going in and giving a, a laundry list to him of everything we think we, we, we think he wants to hear. Amen? Get in your prayer closet. 
get away, turn the TV off, turn the radios off, turn the cell phones off, get in a prayer closet, get along with God, and say, here, here am I. Speak to me, Lord. Get caught up praying in the Spirit. You'd be amazed at what could happen. You'd be amazed how your life would change if you get a prayer life. Amen? Secondly, well, let me, let me go to Matthew chapter 6 here. This is what Jesus said. Because, see, we, we go to God with a laundry list, and we, we say everything we think God wants to hear. Watch what he says in Matthew. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. He ain't interested in that. He wants you to come to him all heartfelt sincerity. Be real, be honest, and open before him. He can deal with that. Amen? Secondly, thing we need to do in 2024 we need to read the Bible. Amen? We need to get into the Word and find out who you are and what belongs to you. I see, there's a lot of stuff that belongs to you that you haven't, that you haven't received. Now, number one, we know God's Word is absolute truth. But here's what Jose said in chapter 4. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. See, the devil don't want you getting a hold of the word because that is the sword of the spirit. That can totally annihilate and kill him and his kingdom, the word. And if you don't ever get into it to know what belongs to you, how can you use that against your enemy? Knowledge is power. Amen? Knowing who you are in him. See, I know I'm a new creature. I know I've been begotten by the word and born of the spirit. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am the bride of Christ. I have re repented of my sins. I have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I get caught up in the Spirit. Amen? I love it. But if I don't ever get in this Word to know what belongs to me, how can I, how can I take that and use that in my life? But if you read it and apply it to your life, there's the key. You read it, apply it to your life. If God says don't do this, then you don't do it. If God says do this, 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 and this, then you do this, this, and this. Amen? So we need to read the Word. We need to have a prayer life. We need to read the Word. The third thing that we need to do it's fast. <laughs> I promise you I'm not cussing. It takes fasting, church. 
Now, I don't fast nowhere near as I used to. But, I mean, man, I, I, I've I fasted a lot. I'm not being bra- I'm not bragging because I don't do that. But in, my, in the course of my Christian walk, I have fasted a lot. And I've seen great results in it. So we need to fast. Fasting does not do anything for God. I must point blank tell you, fasting does not do one thing for God. What fasting will do is it will get your flesh man under subjection. Now when you take that next bite of food after the fast is over, you'll find out Adam is alive and well. Amen? Yeah. He's still there. He ain't went nowhere. But you have power and authority to, to put your flesh under subjection. Amen? So we need to fast. Matter of fact, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah the 58th chapter, and you can read the whole chapter of Isaiah 58 because it deals with fasting. It lets you know what kind of fast God accepts and what the fast is for and what it will do for you in your life. Isaiah 58, you can read the whole, I'm not going to read it today, I'm just going to read one verse. It says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that yet ye, or you, may break every yoke? When you submit yourself to God and you fast, you get along, don't go around broadcasting it to everybody, say, oh, look at me, I'm fasting today. No, you're a hypocrite. You already got your reward. That's what Jesus said. You get along with your father and you do it in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's what the word says. Amen? So we need, we need to pray. We need to read the Bible. We need to fast. Now, the fourth thing we need to do in 2024 is this. Church. You need to go to church. You need to be involved in your local church. Amen? You need to go to church on a regular basis. Easter and Christmas two times a year is not going to get the job done. We don't realize how vital that it is to go to church. Amen? We need to go to church on a regular basis and have fellowship with one another. Amen? Matter of fact, Hebrews 10, 25 says this, Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The coming of Christ. The rapture. Because see, nobody backslides overnight. That's just the, the reality of it. It, just, it didn't just start tomorrow I woke up and well, I'm backslid. No, it started when you let up in your prayer closet. It started when you quit reading the word of God. That's nourishment to your spirit man. It's food for your soul. Because you didn't fast and get things under subjection like God 
God was uh, putting in you to do, and you overrode that. <coughs> now, and then you start missing church. Well, I'll go today if I feel like it. Well, you know, Wednesday's just, it's not my thing. You know, if nothing happens, I'm going to try to go Sunday. You got to stop making excuses to why you can't be faithful to God and to his house. Because this stuff didn't work in 2023. So if you want to see different results in 2024, then you got to change the person you're looking at in the mirror. Amen? Things has got to change. And here's the other thing that we don't realize. We need one another. I need Rob, and Rob needs me. Amen? We need one another because there's safety in numbers. The, dove, the devil loves nothing more than to get God's little sheep and little lambs out by themselves. Then he can pounce on them and devour them. Amen? There's safety in numbers. See, we need one another. We need fellowship in the body, in the church. Because, see, the Lord may, I may discern something on you and lay my hands on you and pray for you. And God get that off of you. Not necessarily that you don't even know, but God knows. See, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're dealing with. But God knows each and every one of us. He knows what's trying to attach itself to us. But if we'll come to his house in fellowship, God will use each and every one of us. Amen. If we'll line up with him in his word. So, we need prayer, Bible reading, fasting, and we need to go to church. Amen? <clears throat> so, I'm going to close here in a few minutes. But the book of Proverbs talks about two different women. talks about two different type of women. I should put it that way. One is what it calls the seductive harlot. And I'm just going to read you part of it because of the time restraint here. And I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole thing because I have more things I want to read here and get to. But it says that Proverbs chapter 7, it says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, and she was supped of heart. You know, she, uh, she tries to entice you and lure you in to her bedchamber. Because she says that the good man has gone on a far journey, and he's taken a bag of money with him, and he will return at the appointed time. Who do you think that she was talking about? She's talking about her husband. See, the lukewarm church, the harlot church who plays the whore on God, 
How do you do that, boys? By putting things before him. Choosing things over him. You put him on the back burner. You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're two-timing the Lord. See, there, there's a, a, a commandment that people have been taught in the Ten Commandments. And it has a dual meaning to it. And the commandment is that thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And we, uh, we uh, say that that is, that, that is cursing. I, don't, I hate that word. I don't like it when people use it. And it's very offensive to me. And I've shut people down on it, even people out in the world using that name in vain. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't talk about my God that way. And I will shut that down. I'm not being mean and spiteful and hateful, but that's my God in whom I serve and whom I love. Amen? Amen. Now, but the other thing, is, it has a dual meaning. My wife is called Lisa Gail Connor Smith. She has taken my name. The Bible says, Take not the Lord thy God's name in vain. If you are the bride of Christ, you have taken his name. Now, if my wife runs all over Richmond prostituting herself to other men, me and her have a problem. We have a real problem. She won't be my wife very long. Amen? I'll give her a written bill of divorcement. So get on with your bad self. Amen? How do you think God feels when you take his name? Because, see, when you got down on your knees and you said, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me more like you. He took you for real. He took you for real. He came just as you asked him. You took his name. Now, you're not your own. You've been bought and paid for with a price, the blood of the Lamb. Amen? You are now the bride of Christ. So, how you present your husband out here in this world really does matter. Because if you're out there prostituting yourself, going with the crowd, doing everything that the world's doing, you're not being a light and a witness. You're doing shame and, and a disgrace to your husband. You've taken his name in vain. Amen? But, there is another woman I want to talk about. And I believe this is what the Lord has wanted for his bride, his church in 2024. And we, we know it better as... Uh, Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman. And, it, and I, I love the pa passion translation on this, you know, and uh, it just, it blesses me to read how he, how he puts it. And in the passion translation, it, it don't call it the virtuous woman, it calls it the radiant bride. 
I want you to listen to this, and I'm going to read pretty much all this so you can see what God is expecting of his bride. He calls it the radiant bride. Who can ever find a woman like this one? She is a woman of strength, mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She is like a trading, trading ship bringing divine supplies for the merchants. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for the hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart up on a field and takes it as her own. She labors there she, to plant the, the lively vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance. Her shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy. She lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant.